0: Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I
1: shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that, Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. I remember on September 10th, 2001, the Giants were in Mile High Stadium in Denver and they were going to play the Denver Broncos and they were just off a Super Bowl run. They had gone to the Super Bowl where they lost to the Ravens the year before, so everybody was all excited, and and the Giants ended up losing that night to the Broncos. It wasn't even that close of a game by a couple of touchdowns. The reason why I bring this up is one of my first couple of days of high school was September eleventh, two 2001, and I went to high school out in St. Joe's in Montvale, New Jersey, so it was about a 30-minute drive from where I lived at Gracie Mansion at the time, and as I was going over On that beautiful Tuesday, September 11th morning, uh, I remember always looking down and and seeing the skyline. And, of course, you know, your eye gazes really and catches the Empire State Building. You see the Statue of Liberty in the distance. And, of course, you would see the the Twin Towers. And I remember looking at it. And at the time, I had two police officers that, that guarded me. Joe Olmo was one of them. And I remember, I believe Kenny Walsh was the other one. And I remember talking with them about the Giants losing that football game and how upset we were and how, you know, is the season going to be like it was last year and all that. And I remember thinking a few short hours later after obviously the planes had been hit and the buildings came down and you realized that the cost was going to be more than we could stand to bear at the time. Just how trivial those thoughts in that conversation was, right? We were talking about a game, about a football game, when... You know, our country at the time obviously was under attack. So for me, I think the parallels are kind of striking today. And and I'll never forget the combination of emotions that I I felt that day. It was this profound sadness, a sadness that I had never really felt up until that moment. You know, even when you've lost loved ones, unless maybe they are too young, you know, obviously – if, if they haven't lived, let's say, up to a full life expectancy, there was that sadness that I had never really felt before, along with a combination of anger, right? There was, there was anger, and there was some fear as well. Was this going to happen again? Was there going to be another attack? And this is so important that we continue to share and to tell our stories. Of course, this is the... Tunnel the to Towers Andrew Giuliani show and, and you think about what Tunnel the to Towers has done with so many of the things that they've done not just for the victims of September 11th but also for the heroes that have gone and fought in foreign wars here and, and come back and how they end up taking care of them in their homes but also the moving monument that they have done where they have traveled from city to city from state to state all across the country to educate more Americans about what happened on September 11th, about what happened that day. And I think about this, and I thought about this with my daughter this morning. Of course, she was not born on September 11th. She was not going to be born for another 17, 18 years. But 30% of people that are born today were not born on September 11th. Think about that. And probably 35%, probably more than one in three, don't have memories or don't have a recollection of that fateful day, it's, it's such an important story that we need to tell. It's such an important story about what can happen if intelligence agencies are not on the right page, are not actually doing their proper job, if politics maybe gets in the way. Now, clearly, politics wasn't as corrupted then as it is now, or maybe it just wasn't quite as clear to
0: us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: We saw very clearly that the CIA and the FBI were not on the same page that day. It might have been the first indication to America that the CIA and FBI were not everything that we thought that they were and doing everything that we thought that they should be doing. But that's just a little bit of my memories from that day. Obviously, the feeling that I had is I I knew that my father was down there. I didn't talk to him probably until about 2 or 2.30 that day. I actually was in the classroom for my let's say fourth or fifth day of of high school, and the the intelligence division, the two guys that would guard me, they always would stay outside. Sometimes they would come in because they had very good relationships with the school administrators and all that, and they would come in sometimes talk with them. But for the most part, they would stay outside, you know, of the school, kind of looking at the entrance from the car. There, they ended up coming in and guarding the classroom, and they didn't at the school wheel in. TV, So I didn't really know what was going on. We had heard some rumors, but it was before cell phones. And as soon as I saw the police officers there, I went to to Joe Almo, uh, who's my confirmation sponsor as well, who also just lost his mother-in-law a couple of days ago. So we we pray for her. I'll be going to the wake here shortly. But I remember going up to Joe and, and asking, hey, are these rumors true? And he said, yes. And I just asked, I said, have you heard from my father? And he said, not yet. But it was a very weird feeling, I could tell you, and I don't know if a son should admit this because, right, it's probably best to say a son would be immediately worried and concerned for their parent, right? I mean, I know if it was my daughter, I certainly would feel this way. But the only thing I I could tell you was I, I had this calmness, this feeling that my father was down there, which we obviously knew that he was, but that he was okay for some reason. And he'll tell this story for you, for you tomorrow. But if there's anybody who maybe has not heard or don't remember, he actually was in building seven and he was on the phone at the time with the vice president with Cheney when the North Tower ended up collapsing. Sorry, the South Tower ended up collapsing. It was on the other side. That's when they ended up rushing out of there. And we're going to talk to Bernie Carrick here in a few short minutes more about this and about his recollections of this. But. He went downstairs and they were about to go out an emergency exit and there was uh, a guy there, a janitor, who ended up taking them out a different exit. Now, if, and I haven't talked to Dad in a couple years about this, so I'll ask him about this this as well, but I don't think they ever ended up identifying who that guy was. Now, now there were a couple of theories to that. One, the guy maybe was undocumented, so he didn't want to be found out in terms of who he was. Or the second is a little bit more divine and it kind of aligns with the feelings that I had that day, which is that, you know, it might have been might have been an angel who was kind of guiding him out of there. You know, I, I am a believer in faith. I am a believer in miracles. I certainly wasn't on site to tell you it was or was not. All I could tell you is that um you know I'm uh I'm grateful that that man That Angel, whoever that was, guided my father out that day. And again, I'm looking forward to talking to the 40th Police Commissioner, Bernie Carrick, here in about 10 minutes. Chief Esposito and I were texting a little bit earlier this morning. He texted me. Actually, I owe him a text back. And, you know, I'm sure his memories and recollections, I I saw him on September 11th a couple years ago. And and, uh, everybody who was associated with the NYPD that day, Anybody who was associated with the FDNY, any New Yorker, any American, really uh, has feelings that day that I still think it, it feels so fresh. To me, I can't believe that it's been 22 years tomorrow from September 11th. But a couple other subjects I want to cover before we get back to this with Bernie Carrick next segment. I actually just got this from Alex Garrett, who is one of our crack news guys here, and he has been somebody who has helped out myself, John Katsimatidis, the whole Cats Roundtable team, and he's a fantastic radio guy. Somebody who I've known, geez, for 25, 30 years and is a a big Yankee fan like myself. I'm going to get to David Wells in a little bit, but he alerted me about 10 minutes before I went to air, so I can't take credit for this, that Virginia Governor Youngkin is going to be pardoning the dad. Actually, he just pardoned. The father who ended up erupting over the high school cover up of their daughter's sexual assault. This was in twenty twenty one. And if you guys remember, this became front page news during the twenty twenty one Virginia gubernatorial election cycle, because you ended up having the FBI coming in. I'm sorry, the Department of Justice coming in and writing a letter that parents should actually be, could be declared domestic terrorists if they end up stepping up at the school rallies. And they ended up using the video from this guy, whose name is Scott Smith, without the context of why he was erupting at a school board meeting. So you just ended up having parents that are erupting, that are going crazy at school board meetings, that are worried about all kinds of stuff and transgenderism, even though it doesn't exist. Meanwhile, the backstory behind this father, who was arrested at the time for disorderly conduct, his daughter was sexually assaulted in the bathroom. She was a ninth grader, so 14, 15 years old, sexually assaulted by a biological boy who was 18 years old, who was wearing a skirt, dressed like a girl, at the Stonebridge High School, in the bathroom, and the school said that they were investigating, but at this school board meeting that Mr. Smith was at, the Loudoun County Public School Superintendent, Scott Ziegler, said, quote, We don't have any record of assaults occurring in our restroom, which was a complete fabrication. It was a complete lie. The superintendent also said, The predator transgender student or person simply does not exist, which was also a lie because what actually ended up happening was they ended up transferring this student. They transferred this student to a different school where this student ended up sexually assaulting another girl very similar to this. So good for Governor Youngkin for actually pardoning this guy. The only question that I would have is, Why didn't Youngkin do this earlier? He should have done this thing earlier. This should have been almost immediate. Maybe there was a process. Maybe Virginia's legal counsel had to do it. I hope it wasn't political. I hope he's not looking and saying, hey, you know what? There might be a presidential run that I'm thinking about last minute. We've seen that the Murdoch family has kind of put that out there a little bit. I hope that's not the reason. But either way, I am very glad that this person was pardoned. Smith should have been pardoned, should have never been prosecuted. And I hope there is a major lawsuit going on where this family can actually recoup something, because this poor girl, this poor ninth grader, who was sexually assaulted by a boy in the ladies' bathroom, think about that. When they talk about the fact that, you know, the transgender students are the victims for not being able to use the bathroom of their choice. No, there are real life victims in this. These girls potentially can become a real-life victim. And sadly, his daughter was.